If you want to take your seats, uh, I wasn't going to come up and speak this early, but actually, um, it's it's like so much of what we've been hearing through the songs we've been singing, through the cry of Rose's heart, through the contributions that have come, is so in line with what God has been speaking to me about about bringing this morning. So I hope you don't mind, but I thought I'd get up straight on the back of it, and we will come back into worship at the end as well. Um, just to say, my name is Natalie, and I oversee social action here at King's. Um, so you'll see you've got bookmarks on your chairs. That's, to be honest, mostly just a prayer aid for you to be praying for some of the projects that we run or that we are involved in or that we're supporting in one way or another. But this morning, I want to speak about something that God has been speaking to me about in my own life in the last few months. And, and to be honest, it might seem like a slightly strange message to bring on the first Sunday of February. It might seem like it would have been better if I'd bought it on the first Sunday of January, because it's about committing this year, 2022, to God. And what God has been challenging me with um, actually and asking me, not just at the start of the year, but like I said, over a few months, has been this question, what are you living for? What are you living for, Nat? And I believe that's what God wants us to explore this morning. What are we living for? Some of you will know Isaac Wales, um, John and Al's oldest son. And he told me last year um, something that I found a little bit depressing. He told me that if I live to be 80 years old, that that means I live for fewer than 30,000 days. I know some of you in this room are older than 80 and you've lived over 30,000 days and that's, that's incredible. But for me, that seemed like such a low number. I don't know why, partly probably because I'm rubbish at maths, but just when he said you live for less than 30,000 days if you live to 80, I was like, wow, is that, is that it? And what was even more sad about it for me was that I then calculated how long I might have left and realised it's actually only 13,000 days, possibly. And that's if I live that long. And when I think about how quickly each day passes, do you ever think about that? I know they say it's a sign of getting old, so I feel like maybe I am getting on a bit because they say it's a sign of getting old when you start to say, oh, time really does fly, doesn't it? Every, the years go so quickly. Oh, I can't believe it's already February. It'll be Christmas before we know it. Things like that. But Isaac telling me that actually gave me this real sense of urgency, this sense of, like, if I've only got that long, I want to make sure that my life counts. I want to make sure that I'm thinking about what I'm living for and, and what life is really all about. And over the last few months, and especially during the hunger season that we've just had as a church family, I've felt this growing sense of just God speaking to me and challenging me about what I'm living for. Because there's so many things it's easy to live for. You know, day-to-day -day life, it's easy to live for um, relationships, for family, for friendships. It's, it's easy to live for work. Um, sometimes it's easy to live for food. Many of you will know I like to get as many meals as I can from as many people as I can. And, and thank you very much. That's why I mentioned that. I drop it into uh, talks every now and then just to get a few more invitations. I don't know, God's just been speaking to me, though, about am I living for things of eternal worth and significance? And, and so I've been thinking about, well, what is the primary thing that I was made for? 
What's the primary thing you were made for? What, what is the thing that's going to matter most when I stand before Jesus one day and see him face to face? What a glorious day that's going to be. And what's the thing that's going to matter? What, what am I going to have wanted to give my life for in that moment? It's going to be for his glory. I'm going to look back over my life and think, did my life bring glory to God? Was it more about him than it was about me? Was it for him? And I find it so easy to just get caught up in the day to day. And and almost this is to one side. I, I feel like God has to grab hold of me to remind me of it. He has to get my attention. I have to keep actively reminding myself that actually my life isn't about me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's all for him. You know, in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 6, it says we exist for God. It says this, it says, There is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. We exist for him. He's created us for him. He's created us to live for him. And like I said, I, I find it so easy to focus on my day-to-day life rather than focusing on living for his glory. But this has been a kind of theme God keeps bringing me back to over the last few years. A few years ago in one of our kind of hunger seasons, or uh, it might have gone by a different name, I can't remember, but I put up a poster um, on my notice board in my office upstairs in the Hastings Centre. And it said, my life can and will glorify God. My life can and will glorify God because it's what I'm made for. So it's something I've been thinking about for a few years, but to be honest with you, particularly in this hunger season we've just had, it's, it's been the daily cry of my heart. God, I want to live for your glory. I want my life to be all about you. I want to know him. I want to delight in him and know his delight in me. Do you know, even yesterday as I was going over this talk, I was really struggling with, with the words I've written on a piece of paper or I've typed on a piece of paper. And I was thinking, what am I struggling with? And I just, it just came to me quickly that I just thought, I want what I say to be impressive. And I just thought, gosh, no, I don't. <laughs> the only person I care about impressing this morning is my father in heaven. He is the only one it matters. I want his well done, his approval. Because do you know, the truth is, it doesn't matter what words I've got on a piece of paper. If God doesn't bring them alive in our hearts, in my heart and in your heart, I can say anything I like and it won't matter at all. But equally, I could stand up here and talk. But equally, I could stand up here and talk the biggest load of rubbish. I could have the least impressive words in the world that I say before you. But if the Holy Spirit comes and he breathes, there'll be power. And God will catch us up with something new of wanting to live our lives and give glory to him. Whatever's happened in the past year, whatever's happened in the past decade, whatever's happened in our lives, we have a moment today We have a choice every day, actually. Will I live this day for the glory of God? Will I give myself today for the glory of God? Will I fix my eyes afresh on Jesus today and say, it's all for you? It's not about me, it's about you. One of the things I I find so helpful about starting the year with a hunger season is that it gives us a fresh opportunity to ask ourselves, 
am I hungering after God? Am I hungering after God? I, I think it's a dangerous thing in my own life when I assume that I am. Because actually, I think it's good to just come again and say, am I? How deep is that hunger going? Is he the desire of my heart above all else? And then if the answer is yes, well, great. We have an opportunity then to be intentional about, okay, what does that look like in my day-to-day life? If the answer is yes, I'm hungering for him above all else, then, then it's basically coming before him and saying, what do you want me to change? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to give up? Or what do you want me to pick up? And if the answer is no... Do you know what? That's a great thing to acknowledge too. To come before God and to basically notice it, pay attention to it and go, do you know what, God? I don't think I'm hungering after you. I don't feel that hungry for you. Because from that place, we can come before God with honesty and say, I want to want you. That's something that uh, when I was in my late teens, a woman who was discipling me really helped me with. She said, when you don't want the things of God, pray to him and say, I want to want to. Or I want to want you. And it's a prayer. He comes in and he answers. You know, 2022 can be characterized by things that have happened in the past. And that might be our past sins and failings. Maybe you've started this year aware that you made mistakes last year, that you messed some things up last year. Or maybe you've come into this year just so acutely aware of disappointments from last year or the years before, or wounds or pain or hurt. This year, if we allow it to be, can be shaped by things in the past. I find that I have a habit or like a default setting of dragging things from the past into my present and carrying them into my future. When God's saying to me, you can leave that there. I've got new things for you here. If we choose to this morning or at any point, we can actually have this year defined by a fresh hunger for God. We can have this year defined by a hunger for the things we were created for, to bring glory to God, the one who created all things, the one for whom all things exist, the one for whom I exist. So how do we do it? How do we commit ourselves to bringing glory to God in 2022 and beyond? I think there are two main ways in which our lives glorify God, and we find them in Mark chapter 12. So if you've got a Bible and you want to turn to it, feel free, Mark chapter 12. The words will come up on the screen behind me as well. And it's Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. And it says this, And one of the scribes came up and heard them, heard the religious people of the day, heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the first answer is this, if we want to commit ourselves to glorifying God in 2022 and in our whole lives, it means committing ourselves to our personal growth in terms of loving God with all we are. That's where we start, loving God. I've been reflecting on this a lot lately because usually the times when I most grow in my love for God 
are the hardest times of my life. They're the times when I most grow. I read a poem yesterday that talked about God giving us grace. And it said this, to count the hardest spot the sweetest place. To count the hardest spot as the sweetest place. And that's been so true in my life that so often it's like that. Some of you will have heard me say this before, that God does his most precious and profound work in my life in the valley seasons, in the wilderness times, in the desert times. And do you know what? The truth is I don't understand why God does it that way. I really wish it could be done a different way. But I do trust him that his ways are best and that he knows best. I see it through the Bible and through my personal experience that this is how God works. It simply is how he works. That he humbles before he exalts. That prisons come before palaces. We see that in the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. That valleys come before mountains. Actually, to be honest with you, in my experience, valleys come before and after every mountain. Sorrow comes before joy. The cross comes before the resurrection. Death comes before life. Romans 8 tells us that God's main purpose in our lives is for us to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. It says he called us according to this purpose, that he predestined us for this to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That is God's primary objective in our lives, is that we should become more and more and more like Jesus. And Jesus loved his Father with all his heart and all his soul and all his mind and all his strength. And he brought glory to his Father in heaven. And the more we become like Jesus, the more that's true of us as well. It's a great joy, isn't it, that we're becoming like Jesus it's a great joy of the Christian life that we get made into the image of this one we've been singing about who is the beautiful saviour, the risen one, the glorious one, and we're becoming more and more like him. What a joy. But to be honest with you, in my life, most of the time, it doesn't feel like a joy. It doesn't always feel like a joy. Sometimes I find it really hard to accept that God's primary concern for me is my Christ-likeness. I would rather that God's priority for my life was my happiness. To be honest, I don't even really need to be that happy. I'd settle just for being comfortable, just for being okay a lot of the time. I'd really love it if God felt as strongly as I do that my life should be pain-free and disappointment-free. Some of you will know Angela Kem, who has come and spoken a few times in this church um, I met up with her once at Ashburnham. She was at Ashburnham for a few days and I went over to see her just for a couple of hours when I was going through a particularly tough time. To be honest with you, I was going through one of the darkest seasons of my life and I was struggling with everything. I was struggling with my friendships, I was struggling with work, I was struggling with God. And Angela said something to me um, that I think only she could have said to me and she said, what if it gets worse? I was really shocked because that is not normally what people say when they're trying to help someone through a dark time. When, to be honest, I was saying to her questions about, is life worth living? And as an aside, I'm not recommending that this is our approach to people who are depressed or in a low place. I, I think only Angela 
can get away with saying something like that. And to be honest, there was an anointing on her in that moment to say that to me. Only she could have got away with it even in my life in that moment. And she went even further than that. She said to me, what if this is just like David in the Bible? When David was a shepherd, he fought the lion and the bear. But actually, that was preparation for Goliath. That was God knowing that David needed those battles because of the battles that were yet to come. And Angela was saying to me, what if what you're going through right now isn't as bad as it can get? And do you know what was odd about it when she said it? Instead of it making me feel worse, it sort of breathed life in. It sort of strengthened me. It brought this kind of, I felt like my, my back straightened and my head lifted. And somehow I was able to, um, in God, just find courage to, to go again. But it wasn't what I wanted to hear. But the truth is that God does see what's ahead of us. God knows our tomorrows. He knows what resilience needs to be built into us now for what's coming in the future days. And growing in our love for God and growing in a commitment to bringing glory to him means we grow in our trust of him. We grow in our understanding of his goodness and our belief that he knows best and that he's good. And that whatever happens in 2022, he's in control of it. Nothing's a surprise to him. The coronavirus pandemic was a surprise to all of us, but it wasn't a surprise to God. He knew that each one of us would be alive right now in this moment and going through this. And he is working all things together for our good because we love him. So that we will become more and more like Jesus and we will love him more and bring glory to him. Now, please don't misunderstand me. God isn't indifferent to our suffering. The truth is that everything we face this year will be full of God's mercy towards us. My favorite line from a hymn is, "'Tis mercy all, immense and free, for, oh my God, it found out me." I love that line so much. I've even got it tattooed on my arm. But what's, what I've been reflecting on in the last few weeks is, "'Tis mercy all, it's all mercy.'" When God doesn't answer my prayers like I want him to, it's mercy. When God does answer my prayers in the way I want him to, it's mercy. It is mercy all. When I ask God to have mercy on me, often I have a very specific thing in mind. I like to tell God the best way that he can show me mercy. Do any of you do that as well? I like to say, God, this is, please be merciful to me. And this is, you know, kind of the steps you can follow to show me your mercy. But actually, I've been going through a season of realizing that the prayers that God hasn't answered, they're mercy too, because he knows best. He knows me. He knows best. He knows what I need. And, and I'm not saying this from a light place. I find this really hard. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was praying uh, in, for my own life. And I was praying that 2022 would be characterized by joy for me. And the reason I was praying that is because last year really wasn't. Let me tell you, so many good things happened in my life last year. Loads of good things happened. I, I, I look back and I have so much to be thankful for. But the truth is that last year was one of the hardest years of my life. And Angela Kem was right. A few years ago when she told me, maybe God's building stuff into you now because he knows what you're going to face in the future. She was right. 
And I look back and I thank God that he brought me through so many battles in the past so that in the more recent ones, I would know he is good and he is faithful and he does bring me through and he does accomplish his work in my life. So last year for me was actually defined in many ways by deep sorrow and pain and loss. And so the other, a couple of weeks, about a month or so ago, I was praying, God, will you let this year be different? Could this year be characterized by joy? And I suddenly had this moment where I thought, what if that's not God's best for me? What if actually a year full of joy isn't the best for me? And so I started praying something else. Something, to be honest, that I'm a lot more scared to be praying. It's a lot more a dangerous prayer. And basically I said, God, whatever you need to do in 2022 so that my life will bring you glory, so that I'll know Jesus better and I'll love him more, whatever you need to do, even if this year needs to be harder than last year, then God, would you do it? Then God, okay, I'm up for it. And to be honest, I don't know how much I mean that prayer. I think I have moments where I really mean it and there are moments where I think, God, please don't answer that prayer. Because we want the joy, don't we? It's easier in the times of joy. I didn't pray it lightly, but I'll tell you what, God has never, I don't think I've ever had such a deep desire for my life to be all about him and all for his glory and his praise. And that has come from tough places. And I'm grateful that he does what he needs to do in my life to get me to the place where I live for him. Because there's nothing else worth living for. He is worth living for. He is worth giving our lives to. You know what? He is tender-hearted towards us, and I do believe he wants to fill us with joy too. I find it fascinating that in Isaiah 53, Jesus is described as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But in Hebrews 1, he is described as being anointed with the oil of gladness beyond his companions. Both are true. Both are true. Jesus knew sorrow and joy at the same time. He died in excruciating pain and anguish on the cross for the joy set before him. In his moment of most acute pain, he anticipated the incredible joy that his death was going to accomplish. And we too can know both as we come like him. We can know the sweetest joy in the hardest places. We can know deep joy even in our deep sorrow. We can know that God truly is working all things together for our good and that even in the valley seasons, we're becoming more like Jesus, which means we're becoming more holy, more wise, more merciful, more compassionate, more tender-hearted, more forgiving. All the things we find so beautiful about him, we're becoming like him. At the end of last year, I was complaining to God that he never answers my prayers. <laughs> it's a funny thing to say to God, isn't it? Even as I said it, I knew it wasn't true. But you ever have those moments where you're like, God, you never answer my prayers. And of course, I had very specific prayers in mind. Many prayers, prayers to do with family, prayers to do with friends, prayers to do with work, prayers to do with every area in my life where I could think of where God hasn't answered the prayers that I've been praying. And what I've noticed in the last couple of weeks, I went back and I looked at some uh, five things I wrote that I wanted for myself 
Um, I wrote them down in September. There were five things I committed myself to praying, and they were things like, Jesus, I want to love you first. I want you to be first and foremost in my life. One of them was, I want to be as passionate about your holiness as I am about your mercy. Uh, One of them was, I want to know joy and hope for the future so that I can celebrate who you are and what you're doing in my life, no matter what happens, no matter what my circumstances are. These were things, I just wrote a list of five things that I wanted to pray. And actually, in the last couple of weeks, I've looked back and I've thought, God, you are answering these prayers. You are answering these prayers. These prayers that are about wanting to bring glory to you, wanting to know you better, wanting to love you more. I can see how even in just a short space of time, I'm growing in each one of them by the grace of God. I think these are prayers that God wants to answer when we're coming before him and saying, let my life be all about you and let me love you with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength. And there's a second part of that scripture from Mark 12. It's not just that we love God, it's also that we get to love our neighbor as ourself. Our lives are not our own. If you're a follower of Jesus, you belong to him You've been bought with his blood. We are his. And our lives, um, a, a significant part of bringing God glory is wrapped up in actually doing good to other people, in giving our lives in the service of others, of laying down our lives not just for God, but also for other people as well. That's part of what we are called to. We were made not just for God, but we were made for each other and for the people around us. And actually, this is something that overflows from loving God, is that we love people as well. Now, I often talk about myself as not really being much of a people person. I can be quite antisocial. But you know what? God, God doesn't let me off the hook. I don't get away with that because he says the second most important commandment is that I would love others as I love myself. So whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whether you love people or you'd rather just be on your own all the time, we are called to love other people. Christians are called to love people in a way that stands out. Other people love, of course they do. You don't have to be a Christian to love people. You don't have to be a Christian to do good works. We don't have a monopoly on these things, but we are called to love people in a way that reflects the heart of God for them. It's a high call on our lives. And if we want to know what it looks like to love the people around us, we just look at how Jesus interacted with people. In the Gospels, we see multiple times it says Jesus had compassion. Jesus had compassion. Jesus had compassion. We see his compassion on individuals and we see his compassion on the crowds. And we see his compassion especially on the ones everyone else had written off. One of the things I've noticed actually most helps me when I'm going through a hard time is focusing on other people. And I love it. The Bible's so real about this. In in Isaiah 58, it even says that when I become active in breaking oppression that binds people, when I become active in sharing my food with the hungry, helping those who are homeless or who need clothing or who are afflicted or who are mourning, then it says, God says, then your gloom will become like the noonday sun. And in fact, if you read Isaiah 58, we haven't got time to get into it this morning, but if you read Isaiah 58, you will see that actually there are a whole bunch of promises that God makes. And one of them is that when we do those things, when we give ourselves to others, particularly those who are vulnerable or in need, it says we'll be satisfied, we'll be well watered, even in the deserts, even in the valleys. And I mentioned the bookmarks that are on your seats. 
I'd love you to um, take them home with you and pray for the projects that we're involved with. I'd love you to um, even consider whether you could get involved in any of them. But you know what? You don't have to get involved in a project to do good to other people. You can, and I'd recommend it if you're able to. It's a great way to give yourself and invest some of your time and your skills and your energy and your heart into things where God is working actively in the lives of some people who are are vulnerable or in need, which in many ways is just all of us, isn't it? It's great to get involved, but actually this is more of a heart issue. And you might be sitting here thinking, well, I haven't got time for one reason or another, or it just doesn't fit in with my life at the moment. You know, please don't uh, discount yourself or disclude yourself, because it might be that in 2022, you can commit to the good of others through discipling your children in kindness and compassion. That might be how you invest in the good of others in this year. It might be that if you run a business, you can start taking on staff who others might not give a chance to. It might be that if you commute, instead of putting your headphones in and getting your head down and writing your emails, you talk to people on the train and you have conversations and you find out about people's lives. It might be in your workplace that you spend time with the person no one else likes or you go out of your way to Come alongside someone who you know is going through a difficult time. It might be that if you live on your own and you can't get out much, maybe you're watching this online at the moment and you're thinking, well, I can't, I can't leave the house. I'm trapped at home. Maybe you could get in touch with one of the pastors here and find out who's lonely and isolated and would really love it if you would give them a call once a week just to have a chat with them and see how they're doing. One of the things that um, some of you will know, Simon Mummery, who's part of the church here and he's working for the Hastings Centre and he's been developing an allotment out the back of the building um, and it's really on his heart that that should be a space where people can come and find refreshing and get involved in the allotment, yeah, but actually just be with other people and be supported. Maybe when it comes to mental health, maybe if they're not able to work, maybe just in growing food and then taking that food home and being able to cook meals from it. And, and he, he, on his heart is to build a sensory garden out there as well. And so I just want to invite you, if you think, do you know what, I'd love to hear more about that, then we're going to have um, a kind of lunchtime meeting on Thursday the 17th of February at one o'clock in Coffee Box. If you're someone and you've got free time in the daytime, come along to that. You're not signing up for anything by coming along. You're just coming to encourage Simon to hear what's on his heart. And maybe you'll want to get involved or maybe you'll just want to pray or support it. We'll also be holding a social action evening on Monday, the 23rd of May. And I know that's ages away. You know, it's the beginning of February. But the reason I wanted to mention it now is because um, if you're thinking, do you know what, I really do want to grow in this whole area of loving others, in compassion and mercy and love. Or or maybe you just want to get involved in one of the social action projects, but you're not sure which one and you'd like to come along and find out more. It could be that you want to be involved in shaping how we use the Community Action Hub, Hope at Kings, which is in that corner of the building. There's an opportunity at this point in time to shape what we do with that space. Um, It might be that you actually think, I've got an idea for something completely new, and I wonder if there's um, space for us to do something completely new. Whatever it is, if, if, if any of those apply to you, I'd love you to put that date in your diary. It's going to be 7.30 p.m. on Monday, the 23rd of May, to come along. I called this talk, What Are We Living For? Because God has been so challenging me um, about giving my life 
for his glory, about living for what I was created for. And I believe that he wanted us all to be thinking about that at this point in the year. So however 2022 has started for you, whether it started really well or really badly, whether you set loads of New Year's resolutions and you've forgotten about them all already, or maybe you're doing really, really well. Either way, we're five weeks in, and I just wanted us to take this opportunity again to commit this year afresh to God, to commit ourselves afresh to God, to say, God, my life is for your glory. I want to love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, all my mind. And I want to love others and do them good. I want to commit myself this year to growing in my love for you and growing in my love for others. If, if that's something you think, you know what, I want to do that, I want to commit this year to God, then why don't you stand? I wonder if the band can come back up. Do you know what? It's easy at this point to think I'll I'll lead us in a prayer, but I, I think it's good for us to pray for ourselves. So why don't you, where you are right now, just lift your hands if you feel comfortable to do so, or put your hand on your heart, whatever posture you find most helpful when you're speaking with God, and just say to God your own prayers of commitment to him this year, of commitment to loving him and loving others. Why don't we all do that? Let's just pray.